This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to Aviation Careers Podcast. My name is Carl Valeri, and we are here in bucolic new jersey it's kind of cold actually in bucolic new jersey right now i'm up north and uh we're doing an an episode where we're going to answer your questions joining me today is eric crump aerospace director of polk state college and also an all-around good guy welcome to the show eric and the guy who knows what bucolic means now. Yes, actually, uh, you know, I, I think there is a town called bucolic, and uh, you know, you're I, just saying that to make me feel better. I, I that's am, not. Us. I am. I am doing that. Real, um, hey, point, everybody, <laughs> Eric. This is it's so awesome to have you on. I know it's after Sun and Fun. Um, uh, Sun and Fun was such a good show, uh, and uh, we're actually uh, it's a great show. Uh, we're actually recording this prior to Sun and Sun, so we don't know what 2017 was like. I'm just saying in general, Sun and Fun is a wonderful, wonderful thing to do. Uh, I am really appreciative of everybody that's writing in all these emails. It's wonderful. A couple announcements, by the way, before we get going with uh, with our new formatted show, which we try to keep it to 30 minutes. This might go a little bit long because of the fact we have a couple announcements. Number one, uh, first announcement, uh, if you need money for flight training or education, don't forget to purchase the Aerospace Scholarships 2017. It's a available on Amazon and iTunes. And by the way, I appreciate everybody going out there now and taking a look at it. They do a much better job than I do on the website. We're changing a lot of things here. I've been getting a lot of feedback. I've, I've given it up to all the people that do a much better job than I to actually publish everything electronic. That's including our membership and our coaching. If you look at our new coaching page, it's much different. We put it, we're putting all of our courses into a new courseware uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Eric, you haven't had a chance to look at it yet. I am going to send it to him. I'd love to get your feedback uh, oh, cool. on, on yeah. the whole courseware. We have a whole new system. I do love courseware. It's kind of my thing. Oh, man. it's it's. <laughs> I tell you, we try doing it ourselves. Uh, there's people out there that are host those type of things that do a better job than I do. I uh, I really thank the person that was uh, I was actually coaching who said I we really need to move to that next level, and we've done that. Uh, so again, coaching $75 for your first session gives you access to the coaching members only section in courseware and uh, discussion group. We keep it a tight knit group of just those folks involved with coaching. So you don't have to worry about going out to, uh, and we have very strict standards. Uh, if you, you're not going to get flamed, uh, it's all, you know, it, it's much different than you see online as far as uh, the forums are concerned. Uh, so anyway, I'll have links to all that uh, in the show notes here. Also, uh, before we get going, another thing, the last episode or one of the last episodes we did talking about, you know, when you get older or just in general having a, a, a disability income, we've been getting a lot of feedback about that uh, and they, people have really been enjoying that. We have a new person on board uh, that's helping us with that and with all our financial stuff and uh, he's been doing a great job. So if you have financial questions concerning that type of stuff, we'll we'll forward it on to him and, and answer those things. Uh, but remember, as you get older, a lot of things change. And, uh, you know, it's very important to, to have checklists, right, Eric? And uh, we're... It, it, very it, much so. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I, that's not just an old thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. But, you know, as, as people know, I just turned 50. And I found uh, that... When you turn 50, you have to make sure that you do things in a certain manner and, and you make sure you lay out everything and, and do it uh, within the proper order. I was out going out to dinner with my, my wife uh, right after my 50th birthday, and it kind of it solidified in my mind why checklists are so important. I asked my wife, you know, should we, should we go out and wear shorts or long pants because it's kind of getting cold out? She goes, well, wear whichever one you want. Well, we went out to dinner, and, and uh, while I was out to dinner, I uh, I got up to go to the restroom and then realized that uh, I not only put my shorts on, I put my pants over my shorts. And I said to myself, <laughs> I said to myself this was this was day. Don't laugh so hard. This is day one. I gotta mute myself. Hold on a second. <laughs> this is day one after. <laughs> After my turning 50, and the oh first thing that came to mind is checklists. Of course, an aviation individual. Can you believe I did that? Oh, my gosh. Uh, 
So we're just keeping it real here at Aviation Curves Podcast. You're going to have to edit me out screaming. <laughs> oh, oh, my no. gosh, Carl. But, but you know, the, the oh. point is there, Eric, is, is that— The we, great part is that she let you do it. No, That's she didn't the, notice. Oh, <laughs> she didn't gosh. Notice. <laughs> That's even better. And, and I told her in the restaurant, and she started laughing just like you did. And the people are like, what is going on with this crazy lady? And uh, so uh, so what, what I'm trying to say is things change when you get older. You forget things. It's important to use your checklists and, and keep things Poor in order. So How did she get her. stuck with you? She's such a nice person. Stuck, <laughs> stuck with you. Oh, my uh, goodness. I, I was afraid to mention this oh, on the podcast. I've got I, tears. I, Seriously, <laughs> I am crying. Oh, my gosh. I, <laughs> but but folks, this is not a, this is not a comedy show. This is just Carl make, doing silly stuff. It it really and I do a lot of that. Yes, this, seriously, this, sign up for a coaching session with Carl, where he'll tell you how to dress, how to <laughs> how to how to appear in public. Just don't take that kind of advice from Carl. Maybe. This doesn't bode well for me. Though. <laughs> Uh, but I, I would have maybe led with the story and then come back with coaching. Yes, maybe not. No, no. Maybe not the other way around. <laughs> oh boy. Uh, anyway, so now now that now that Carl shared with everybody about my uh, my personal life there, I do. I will say another thing too. I mentioned in the podcast about uh, having uh, medical issues in the past and stuff like that. It's it's funny that really things change when you age, and and trying to remember what to put on first is one of those things that happens. You just forget. And uh, you forget if you're putting on the right clothes in the morning. So now, for now on, I, I, my wife says that, you know, you have a checklist for the airplane. You now have a checklist. So then when you get dressed in the morning, I was like, okay, thanks so much. Well, at least you didn't forget your pants. I mean, it could uh, have been worse. Yes. It I, could have been worse. I've seen that happen. So uh, so we're, it's a good thing that didn't happen. Anyway. Wow. We, <laughs> Wow! Wow! But Eric, I I, I would I would challenge you. I know you have an announcement. I would challenge you to try to to top that one. Well, now I feel bad. I should have gone first. <laughs> um, <laughs> my announcement is just that somebody got a CFI certificate, so that's not really. Woo! Who cares about that? Just kidding. No. Um, everybody uh, that is that's heard Carl and I talk about becoming a flight instructor. Um, you know that that I personally believe that being a flight instructor um, is and should be a very well respected profession. Um, and for some reason, over the course of time and whatever, becoming a flight instructor has sort of stopped being a respectable thing that people do and started becoming kind of a, a necessary first step evil that people had to go through so they could get a quote unquote real job. And I, I, I never felt that way. I still don't feel that way. I think it's probably one of the most important aviation jobs that there is, um, especially on the pilot side anyway. Um, and so getting to watch someone become a flight instructor um, is one of the most rewarding things that I get to do. It's right up there with a first solo, maybe even one step above a first solo. And so I want to publicly congratulate uh, Dylan Crowshar from the Polk State Aerospace Program wow. for um, just not only passing his flight instructor check ride, but nailing it out of the park and doing a really, really great job. Um, it is by far the hardest test, in my opinion, that you'll ever take in aviation. I've talked to airline captains that said they would rather take their ATP 10 times over before they ever had to take their CFI again. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm extremely proud for him and of him and for everybody, by the way, um, who who moves into that uh, that step? Um, you, you you don't realize um, <laughs> how much better of a pilot you can be until you learn how to teach someone else how to be a pilot. And um, so I'm very proud of him. And for all of you um, who are flight instructors, that's that's a global congratulations um, in your struggle. But a special kudos to uh, to Dylan. So that's my announcement. That's awesome. Gotcha. And he did wear pants. And as far as he I did. know, there was only one pair of <laughs> pants. I didn't ask him. I didn't ask him. <laughs> but uh, also a, uh, a flight team member and one of um, – Carl's mentees, so I knew that you would want to know that. So that's awesome. Uh, yeah, congratulations to Dylan, and uh, obviously you've seen pictures of Dylan on my Facebook page because of the flight team. But uh, really uh, great guy, and I'm excited to uh, see him start teaching. I think he'll be a great flight instructor. As you said, being a flight instructor is one of the most important things uh, in your aviation career, and it's one of the most important positions because you're teaching everybody out there how to fly, and the and you're <laughs> you're instilling some really important information and skills. 
and philosophies uh, while you're become while you are a flight instructor. So that's that's awesome. So just keep that in mind, Dylan, and keep that in mind, everybody that's now looking at becoming a CFI. Well, awesome. That is some really cool stuff, Eric. I'm I'm really really excited for Dylan. Um, anyway, Eric, we ready for some questions? I'm gonna try. I I don't know. I think I, you've totally ruined me. <laughs> Uh, for this podcast, I apologize to everybody who wrote a question. If it's my turn to answer it, I I don't know. We'll, we'll see. We might we might run this a, a couple of minutes longer than normal because of, of, of Eric just falling apart on that. One. I may just I may just break down. I'll try to mute myself if I do. But um, it just popped in my head. Have you seen the Lego Movie? Uh, Did no. you ever watch it? Okay, no, it's hilarious, and you should watch it. I will. But there's this. Um, they make fun of this sitcom TV show in the Lego Movie, and it's honey, where are my pants? And that, that was the first thing that popped in my head oh, after gosh. I caught I my breath. Is You just have to watch it. So for everybody else who's seen the Lego movie, you know what I'm talking about. And now you also are weeping if you weren't already. But um, <laughs> that's what I pictured uh, Carl doing. So anyway, uh, okay, let's do it. Questions. Right. Keeping, I'll do my best. Keeping it real, but uh, moving on to the serious part Ooh. of it. <laughs> anyway, here we go with the first question. Actually, it's a summary. Oh, by the way, this is a really long uh, summary of uh, working with the GI Bill. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to take this. Uh, someone was very nice to actually post a very long summary of using the GI Bill and for his education. And I want to put, I want people to read it. So it's going to be out there in the in the podcast show notes. So make sure you go to the show notes, episode one thirty five, and read this really good stuff. But I'm going to summarize real quickly uh, what he's been talking about. We uh, one of the things that that he discusses is. Uh, using the GI Bill to, to move forward in his career and for the benefits of uh, both flight training and college. Uh, there's, uh, he said he's, he's found some, some really interesting information. Uh, he you know, talks about the, uh, some secrets, quote-unquote, to maximizing the post-9-11 GI Bill benefits. Uh, and one of the things is to do the, the training at an institute of higher learning. Uh, and uh, and a, it really, the other benefit that he talks about, and I agree with this too, is that a lot of the training is condensed, and uh, and that actually can be helpful because you, you don't forget stuff as much. Uh, so there's another thing too, though, uh, we've talked about a couple times on this podcast, so I need to clarify. Uh, the, the new, the VA funding, okay, uh, there's... There, it is 100% eligible for for most for many schools, I should say. Uh, there's a stipulation about owning and operating your fleet uh, to be eligible for that VA benefit uh, for the school to, uh, to own and operate the fleet. That is actually uh, has to be clarified, I think, because it's not for the all the ratings. It's specifically for the private. So. So, Eric, you know a lot about this. I want you to clarify, and this is a great summary this person wrote, and you've, you've read it. Clarify what has happened with the VA funding, the changes, and, uh, and, and also uh, just comment on this, this, uh, his description of, uh, of the training. Sure, I'm happy to. And actually, when I read this, it was, I, I told Carl it was kind of, um, it, it was almost like a flashback. This is every day of my life. <laughs> this is what I do every single day. Um, and um, this person who wrote in actually has gone through this whole process from the perspective that a lot of new students uh, seeking to use uh, post-9-11 GI Bill benefits for flight training go through. And it's that do I pursue um, academy-style instruction, which will get me done faster, or do I pursue collegiate flight training, uh, which will get me a degree? Um, uh, which, which should I do, basically? And there are absolutely pros and cons to both. I mean, specifically, if we're just looking at the VA funding model, uh, the, the, what this person went through is that the, the way the VA pays for flight training is very different if you go through an institute of higher learning or a college university flight program as opposed to just simply an academy program. And, and one of the main differences is coming to an institute of higher learning, the VA will also pay you um, a housing allowance called VAH. And basically what that is um, is a, a fixed um, payment really per month that's based on wherever you live. Um, um, so it's – uh, well, not where you live, where the school is. So it's, if you live in a really um, intense urban area where everything costs a lot of money, your BH will be higher. If you attend a school that's out in the middle of nowhere, your BH is going to be a little bit lower um, because it's that's how that uh, is, is based. And that's a huge benefit because it actually assists 
um, veterans who want to focus on a, a full-time course load, which would be required to get full-time BAH um, at the college, as well as pursuing flight training, um, be able to work less um, or to at least have some help paying those um, other expenses not associated with college. Um, the VA would pay based on your eligibility. So if you have 100% eligibility, you get 100% of tuition and fees um, and flight training costs. Now, bear in mind that this is specific to public uh, colleges and universities. If you go to a private, uh, independent, or for-profit college or university, the funding model is very different. Um, but at a public institution, um, you're going to get 100% of your, um, well, based on whatever eligibility you have, uh, tuition and fees, and then flight training costs. This is a big deal. As of August 2016, though, the VA changed the way they look at funding flight training. And we're not talking about tuition and fees, just the flight training. If your college or university owns and operates its own fleet of aircraft, nothing changes. If, like Polk State College, for example, uh, your college or university contracts their flight training services to a third-party company that provides that service to uh, the college students, then the VA no longer pays for the private pilot certification. They will pay for ground school. They will pay for tuition, but they will not pay for flight training costs associated with the private pilot certificate. They will pay for everything after that. Um, well, everything that you're approved with the VA to pay after that. Uh, but they, they no longer pay for private in that situation. So that's a really long clarification. But I wanted to make sure people were aware of that. Uh, this is a relatively new thing still by the time of this recording, not even a year old. But as of August 2016, uh, that's when that rule change went into effect. Um, I would, at least in, in my world, uh, the veterans that I talk to on a, on a daily basis, and at least at the time of this recording, we're getting ready for summer term enrollment. So we are talking to a lot of new students right now. I would say, actually, so far this semester, 100% of everyone who's come in is aware of the private pilot change and, and have already made financial arrangements, either through traditional financial aid or scholarships, loans, that kind of thing, um, to make up the private. So, But for that, the first couple of semesters, a lot of people were really surprised and didn't know that the change had happened. Um, and so that's why podcasts like this are great, because it's a way to get that information out and make sure that everybody's really clear about it. So uh, I think that's it, Carl, unless yeah. I... That was great clarification, Erica. You know, obviously we can interject our opinions about this. I have my own and, and Eric has his, but uh, I kind of wish this didn't happen. I understand it. Uh, but uh, one of the things that has happened is out of this, like you mentioned, there's other avenues of funding and there's new scholarships that are out there. And we're starting to put those in the scholarships guide as far as funding uh, VA uh, for, for veterans to get their private pilot at an institution uh, public institution that doesn't own their own aircraft. And uh, it, it really, there's some good and bad about this, uh, but uh, but we'll discuss that at, at length some other time. It's just this is the way it is right now, uh, and you've heard my opinion in the past, and I'm hoping to change this someday, but the way we're changing it is we're finding money for those veterans, so that's really important. Anyway, thanks for that, that whole description uh, that he went through, and I thank you, Eric, for that clarification. I think that's really important. If you're a veteran and you're looking at benefits and you're just starting your training, listen to this uh, twice so you can understand what Eric just said and go forward. But like you said, I think people are starting to understand the implications. But uh, again, thanks for that question. Let's move on to the next one. Uh, next question says, hey, Carl and crew, like a lot of folks have said, thank you for all the content you put out for us aviation dreamers. It's very helpful and inspiring. My situation, I currently work in the oil and gas field. I've been doing this for about seven years now, and I see that while the pay is very good, a six-figure income, it's not an industry I'm going to enjoy working until I retire. Flying Can we trade, maybe? <laughs> what, the income or the... <laughs> Wait, I mean, I don't really want to do the work, but yeah. I would take the money. Take I mean... Money. <laughs> I, I don't know. I could probably make that work. Yeah, and, and Dallas uh, is a nice place. It is a nice place. It, it's tough to uh, you know to make those changes, and uh, you know especially when you're making that kind of income. But uh, yeah, anyway. I, it's funny, and I I know we're in the middle of a, of a of a thing, but it just struck me as funny. How many people start off their their emails and their questions this way? There's so many oh. people in careers, and it's the same exact situation that you came through. It's how do I leave this? You know, I mean, my goodness, the money is good. Um, you know, the work is reasonable. I'm satisfied, but I'm not content. Right. And I see so many people start off that way. And I, 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 that's one of the things I love the most about aviation 
I have worked really hard. I have gone through periods where I wasn't doing very much and I needed to do more. I have always been content. I have always, I think that's one of the neat things about aviation and you'll find plenty of people online complaining about how terrible their job is. And Carl and I have talked about this. The more money we make, the more we seem to complain and things like that. And, and you just like, well, I don't know. Maybe it's like every other career. It's not. It's really not. I can't imagine finding something else that I could do with my life where I could legitimately say every day, I'm content. I mean, I, that doesn't mean I'm always happy, <laughs> but I'm content. I'm, I really legitimately like what I do in aviation. And I think um, even people who want to be cantankerous because something's not working the way they want it to at the job, that's one of the cool things. Contentment comes with aviation. My opinion, just my two cents. Now I'll continue. <laughs> and, and, you know, Eric, I think that's true in, in many different jobs, whether you're an engineer uh, in aviation or outside aviation. If you love what you do, mm -hmm. uh, it, it's such a different world. I have friends that are attorneys, and they some that really love what they do and some that hate what they do. It's just finding that passion that's important. That's what we're doing here. It's finding that thing that, that brings you contentment. And that doesn't, like I said, it doesn't mean that you're always going to be happy and you're always going to love your job in that sense like you're just so happy to go to work today but it does mean that you, you just find a, a peace about what it is that you do and you're really glad that you do it even on the bad days um, anyway I, it just it strikes me as funny how many people um, write into this show and that's and that's that's the way it starts I have a great job but I'm not content here there's something else I'm, I'm still looking for something and and that's that's a good point and I'm again not to overly brag on Carl, his ego's big enough, but this is this is one of the great reasons that it's so great that you do this. So anyway, yeah. continuing along. And, and that's and that's why we did it. It's and one of the reasons I should say. But you know, one of the things that's important is remember, there's so many other people out there making that six figure income that want to get out of that. You know, they want to have that contentment. There are pilots making the six figure incomes that want to get out. Uh, because they're not real happy with what they do. And that's just the way it is in life. Uh, it's, it's finding out what drives you and then moving forward with that. Uh, but anyway, let's continue with his, his question here. He continues, really interestingly, flying has always been a passion of mine, and with the pay of this job, I can see the dream of flying as a career possible without getting putting myself excuse me, in a financial mess. I should say that I'm 29 and single, so if a family comes along, that will change the financial situation. We'll see. My plan right now is to slowly work on my certifications while working this job to pay for them. Very good idea. All the while, getting myself to a very good spot financially, having no debt to speak of, including a paid-off house by the time I pull the trigger to go fully into aviation, approximately four years to pay off my house. Uh, the area, the Dallas-Fort Worth area seems to be a good area for flight schools, and I've searched around. One school, of course, he's mentioning is ATP Flight School that advertises getting the airline minimums after 18 months of certifications and guaranteed CFI job. It will obviously take me much longer to get my certifications given my job. They also provide airline-sponsored tuition reimbursement up to $11,000 while being a CFI. Another flight school that is down the street from me partners with a college in which I can get an associate of applied science and aviation all online. This is a very new partnership for this flight school, so not many have gone through it. It's a much smaller school. The ATP school doesn't partner with a college, so it gets certifications in flight time but no degree. It also has a much larger fleet, including an abundant number of twin-engine aircraft. This is the important part here. So I have a bachelor and master's of science degree in geology already. Would another degree specific to aviation be worth it? Or would flying with the ATP, which has a CPP, but no degree program be fine for me? And uh, boy, the career pathway program he's talking about. I would say you have a degree. You don't need another degree. You need your licenses. You need your certifications. Uh, you don't need any type of, of degree to get a job with a regional airline. You're, you will need a degree to get a job with a major. And believe me, it, it puts you up higher on the list when you do have that degree. So no, uh, you don't have to, as far as a degree is concerned, you have much more than most people have that are applying to the airlines. It doesn't matter that you have an aviation degree. What Does it help to have an aviation degree? Yes, because you're going to learn all the things that you wouldn't learn uh, as somebody who has a geology degree. For instance, how an airline works, operations, those type of things. But those are things you can learn on the job. And uh, so I would, I would stress getting all the time that you can to move forward there. Um, 
Interestingly enough, you talk about the six-figure income, and I and like Eric said, we're getting this question often now. I it's just been a trend in the past couple of years that more and more people are seeing that they can make six figures at the airlines. The thing is, though, uh, it might take you a little while to get there. And I know people at the regionals make that kind of money, but it, again, they're working really hard, and it takes a while to get there. I just think that doing something you love and having this plan that you have is is an awesome awesome thing i think uh all that you're doing is perfect and i would stress moving forward with the flight time eric do you have anything to add as far as what i just said there i would just say um part of the reason that airlines want a degree is that the process of going through a degree program teaches you how to learn and somebody who has how do you say that? Learned how to learn <laughs> or learned how to learn on their own and self-study and and develop their own knowledge. That's an important skill at an airline because and many people on this show have talked about what new hire training is like and how much self-study is required. Carl can go on and on about recurrent and how much work he has to do before he shows up. It's not like you just go in and sit in a classroom like a sponge and they feed information to you. There is a ton of self-study that you're going to have to do, both in new hire training and in recurrent. And so I think the learning how to learn is really important, and that's why airlines still want to see a degree. Like with Carl, I would agree you don't need an aviation-specific degree by any stretch of the imagination. Um, would it help? Maybe. Um, in your particular situation, though, um, y- you have you have the degree and you have what I would consider to be a quote-unquote fast track through getting uh, certification. Um, and you have a job that will help you fund it. Um, there's really, I think a lot of people who are probably listening to us answer your question would love to come and steal your life right now. Um, and and the, I, I would love to have been able to pay off my house in four years when I was 29. So, I mean, kudos to you. Um, but I think in, in this particular situation, I'd have to, as much as it pains me, agree with Carl um, that uh, that you've, you really have a unique situation in that you already have a degree. Um, you're already kind of set up for what I would consider to be the next job if you wanted to leave. Or some people get to a regional and really love it and want to stay there, uh, spend their career at a regional. Um, but you're already set up for the next step, and you have the opportunity to really devote yourself um, full bore to flight training. And I think in your particular situation, it's probably the right thing to do. Awesome. Thanks for that. The, it's interesting. I think what you're doing is perfect, and I'm really excited for you. And I know you'll you'll uh, you'll move forward and you'll do a great job uh, with this new career. I think everybody should try to plan as much as you do. So awesome. One leg, one leg up right there. Anyway, let's at, go on to the next question here. I get some – oh, by the way, I get questions from all over. This comes from LinkedIn. Uh, so I do try to pull as many questions in, not just from the feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Uh, here comes from LinkedIn. He says, hi there, Carl. I just wanted to ask you for a personal recommendation for a book or books. Uh, so probably not an appropriate for uh, excellent for the Excellent Careers podcast. It is very appropriate, actually. Uh, and actually going to let uh, Eric – comment on this one. I think this is a great question. Uh, he continues, I have an Australian commercial pilot with a multi-engine instrument rating and an Eastern Caribbean commercial pilot with a multi-engine instrument rating. I'm looking to gain the same with the FAA. I have 2,500 total time and 200 multi. Since going, doing my CASA commercial pilot license and ATPL theory, my aviation knowledge has deteriorated significantly, so he needs a book. I'm looking for a textbook that will help me pass my FAA commercial pilot theory and instrument rating theory and assist me in relearning or consolidation in topics. I'm hazy on. The textbook must have questions throughout each topic, so I need to be actively engaged during reading to get anything out of the time spent. (coughs) Excuse me. I've read two FAA texts, but with no end-of-chapter questions. I feel like I could have better spent the time sitting on the beach working on my tan. (laughs) There are so many options to choose from here, whereas in Australia there were only a couple of choices. Uh, Actually, reading those books is is actually pretty good. There's some interesting information in there, but they are kind of dry. Although, lately, I think I like the new pictures. Anyway, he continues. Similarly, can you provide a personal recommendation for a flying school in the Tampa area to get about 20 hours of sim time, 20 hours, excuse me, 10 hours of multi-time to get prepared for the flight test? 
I've been out to a couple of airports, and so far I've liked Global Pilot Academy at Tampa Executive, and the best uh, bet will travel as far as Lakeland to get a good experience. Anyway, sorry for the long-winded question. If you could just give me a couple of recommendations to look at as far as books and schools, that would be excellent. Thanks so much also for the informative podcast. I'd be lost without some of the information presented by you and your guests. Well, I really appreciate that. As far as the books are concerned, this is very prescient to this podcast, so I think this is important, especially uh, Eric is the Mr. Book Guy, and he knows quite a bit about <laughs> aviation. That's not fair. That's not fair. That's well, a terrible thing to say. Well, Eric has no life. He's into books. Well, who do I go to when I want to read a new book? I say, hey, Eric, what do we have? And by the way, I owe you one. But uh, every uh, Yeah, you take all of my books. Every time I, every time I come in, I've got a new sticky note on my bookcase. <laughs> Carl borrowed a book. Like, of course, Carl borrowed a book. Sorry. <laughs> You're worse than my students, Carl. <laughs> Can you actually read a book that doesn't have pictures in it? I have. I have. Oh, it's fiction. Oh. Only fiction. You're okay with the word thing? Yeah, you the can word do the words? Okay, with it. Yes. okay. good. Good. <laughs> <laughs> You're so mean. <laughs> I am. I am. But I do love you. I do love you. Um, okay. So let's see. First of all, textbook uh, for commercial pilot theory, instrument rating. Um, okay. Oh, my goodness. There's so many. Um, where do I even start? So the FAA stuff, I'm going to be really honest with you. I get that it's it can be a little bit dry. Um, that's where the knowledge test questions come from. So they're, they're all sourced to those books. The FA tests you on what they tell you, and those books are how they tell you what they want you to know. So when it comes to the knowledge test and the oral exam, that's where the questions come from. So um, I, I would have to – I'm sorry, but that's really – that's a good place to go, um, especially when it comes to uh, instrument theory. Uh, the instrument flying handbook and the instrument procedures handbook are – much better than they were. They were recently revised, actually. Um, and I, I guess I have some insight into that. Just I'm fortunate enough to work on the FAACS working group. Um, and in addition to uh, building the airman certification standards that we now uh, test pilots with, those guidance documents, I'm sorry, those standards documents shape the guidance and information that comes out in the FA handbooks. So um, those books have been improving dramatically. Um, for anybody who's seen the new airplane flying handbook, um, it's drastically different and vastly superior to the 2008 version, which was the last time that that book got revised. So there are some positive changes happening there, and I can't tell you that it's going to be any more fun to read, but that's where the test questions are. So I would definitely recommend that you spend some time there. Um, when it comes to just straight-up test prep, if that's what you want to do, um, I mean, obviously, I have a sweet spot and always will in my heart for uh, Glime books, the the red books. I spent eight years of my life working with Dr. Glime um, and uh, and working on those books. They used to have my name inside of them at one point. So just in terms of full disclosure, I, I, I no longer receive a paycheck there, but I do still recommend them because I have a special place in my heart for them. They help me prepare for a lot of my knowledge tests also. Um, and so you've got uh, an outline at the beginning to reference um, and then uh, questions that follow up topically sorted based on the outline material that you read. So it can be a, a good way to just, uh, I don't know, say cram, but definitely to refresh uh, what you already know because clearly you already know it. You've got more certification than Carl and I ever thought about trying to get. So <laughs> congratulations. You're doing well for yourself. Um, <laughs> good job. Um um, outside of uh, Glime Red Books, um, just in, in, in sharing the love, um, Aviation Supplies and Academics, good friends there too that produce not only test preparation material, but also good pilot training material, good uh, how to be a good, safe, proficient, competent pilot in topics ranging from professionalism to everything else. But specifically, if you're looking for commercial pilot theory and instrument theory, um, there's just some outstanding titles there too. Um, so I would definitely point you there. Um, goodness gracious. And, and, you know, we're talking about books, but I would also just point out that there is so much stuff available on the internet. When you look at it though, and I'm sure you've been there before, um, you, you have to be aware of what it is that you're reading and who it is that you're reading. Um, but there are so many, even from when Carl and I did this, 
I mean, when Carl did it, uh, we didn't even have electricity. But um, you know, the internet is is a new thing <laughs> since my time. Um, but uh, or GPS. Just, or GPS, yeah, that was fun. Uh, what it tells you how to get there? <laughs> you mean I can talk on my phone and not be in my house? Um, yeah, so these are all—he's older than I am. Yeah. But uh, anyway, um, there's just so much stuff there, um, and there's so many people that are doing great work on YouTube and um, throughout uh, blog posts and everything else. So. Um, there's, there's a lot of good stuff there and, uh, I don't know that that's a really cultivated book list, but that's at least the first thing that pops in my head. Um, you know, Eric, we could give those links actually in the, in the show notes, but sure. I, I'll put some links in the note. I'll come up with more stuff, but cool. those are just things that popped in my head. I'll get you a, a nice, um, uh, buy this, don't buy that. Right. Oh, <laughs> I, by the way, on, uh, as far as the, the things that are out there on YouTube and, and that are free, a lot of times you do get what you pay for. There are some good things, but uh, some of the commercially available products are outstanding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, a lot of times uh, they, they put together some amazing, amazing courses, uh, like our friends at M0A, etc. There's some really good good courses out there for getting, say, ready for the written, etc. Uh, you actually just reminded me about something. Thank you, for Carl, for that. But um, another product from ASA, it's called Virtual Test Prep. And it's really designed to be like a video-based ground school. Um, but it's topical. So you can you can skip to what you want to focus on. You may find that useful also. It's really, really good stuff. Um, and that just kind of popped in my head when Carl said that about commercially available stuff. Right. Good stuff, though. Really good stuff. Um, and I, I think one of the things you have to do is just read as much as you can. You get a little something out of everything, and that's what I do. And uh, I have a, a really large library of, of aviation books, mostly borrowed from Eric, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> just joking. I mean, it's it's really, uh, really, really cool. So anyway, I think, gosh, you know what, um, Eric, this is this is about it for uh, we've run a little bit long again. Uh, well, we got to answer his flight school question. Yeah, we got to go on to right, exactly. And we're we uh, so I'm going to let Eric actually. Should I answer that, or should you? I mean, that's what I'm trying to think of. In the well, I can day. tell you of a great school okay. in Lakeland. I, I was, was going <laughs> mean, to toss that one to you. Go ahead. And I'm, I'm not even I'm not even going to lay down my bias there. I mean, come on, it it is what it is, um, and it's me. So you you get you get to see me every day. I mean, why wouldn't you want to come to school here? Um, but. Uh, I will say this about the I-4 corridor, that specific area. Mm -hmm. So many flight schools. There are so many. Um, And I think you're doing exactly the right thing uh, because you're you're definitely going to check them out and um, and kind of doing your flight school interview process. I wish more people would do that. It is it's amazing to me the number of people who walk into flight school and just go, "All right, I'll train here." <laughs> you're going to spend a lot of money and a lot of time and a lot of effort at this place. You want to know who it is that you're working with. So good on you and for everybody else. It's just a, a note uh, to consider. You know, just like it's a. Um, a second opinion from a doctor or, um, you know, a price check on a car you want to buy, interview your flight schools. Um, and, uh, the Tampa area is more your thing, Carl, but, um, but if you're willing to drive as far as Lakeland, um, (laughs) hit up your boy, Eric, he can hook you up. (laughs) Well, and, and that's another thing, by the way, we, we don't have a total directory of, of flight schools. And I get this quite question often in the area and I do some research and I have a big network. Uh, the problem is that, uh, things change. A flight school can be great. And then two weeks later, they're sold to somebody else and it changes ownership or instructors change or or any number. Exactly. Uh, so you have to constantly cycle through and, and like Eric said, do do your due diligence and look into that flight school and interview them. So good, good stuff. Uh, Eric, do you have time for another question? Let's try to do one more. Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. We're going to go a little long on this one because we, we did take a little little time talking, but uh, let's talk about the next question. I think this is a really good one. Uh, and by the way, people always uh, ask me to keep their names uh, private, and we do do that on uh, every uh, every podcast, uh, so I wanted to mention that. Um, and also, if you're writing in to us, well, here, I'll, I'll read this, and I'll, I'll uh, make my comment afterwards. Uh, he says, uh, good day, Carl. I've been listening to your podcast for a few months now, and you always ask for, number one, questions, number two, experience from different areas within the industry. I'll start with my question, which is sparked by this article, and I, I, I know you won't share the article during a podcast, but just so you know where I'm coming from. He gives me this article. It's actually uh, uh, Jet's 
Smart, a Ponzi, Jet Smarter, a Ponzi Scheme, Part 1. It's a really good article, uh, interesting article, and uh, he wants me to, to talk about the ride sharing. He says, how do you feel about this article and what it's saying? It makes sense to me that based on the numbers, these quote-unquote ride sharing jet ventures just cannot work since there is a broker, Jet Smart in this case, which has to make some money too. Do you think this is a viable system for aviation? Do you think this company will go out of business like the others who have tried before? Let me just make a comment uh, uh, in general. I'm not going to talk about this specifically uh, because I don't know enough about uh, JetSmarter to comment, but we'll normally I, I like to do my own research. When I see an article like this, and I, I hope everybody takes this advice, if you see an article like this, I want you to go and research that company specifically because we all have our opinions when we write our articles online or in newspapers it's very important to go out and get opinions from many different people there are different quote-unquote sharing rides or or, or uh, companies that try to fill seats on on say the opposite end of uh, like a deadhead or something like that when they're actually flying from point A to point B there's been companies doing that for the past gosh uh, over 40 years and uh, now with the internet and with computers they're able to fill those seats for instance say a company like uh, AT&T has a flight going to Minneapolis it's coming back empty a lot of times they'll try to broker those seats uh, under like a 135. This is a little bit different, uh, but of course, looking at the rules is important and getting as many opinions as you can is important. So that is all I'm going to say about that, uh, and I think it's important to do your due diligence there and uh, and really look into that. As far as a viable system, it's interesting. It's a great conversation. Uh, not quite what I, I as far as the business aspect of it that I'd, I'd want to talk about uh, on this podcast, but it is it is quite interesting. I think um, anyway. Moving on to, uh, and I don't know, Eric, if you wanted to talk about JetSmarter at all uh, before. Well, no, I mean, I had never even heard of the company until I read it in this question. So I, I like you. I'm in a, a position where I've, I'm not familiar with this particular company. I'm certainly familiar with the concept. Um, and I know the, the FAA has certainly had a lot to say about ride sharing and potential Part 135 um uh, sort of crossover that, that that would not be allowed because there is money changing hands and it is a uh, for hire operation. So there there are some there are some ways to dance around the legality of it from that perspective. And I think really the, the problems that I have seen in this industry continue to be those. They continue to be legality and FA functional issues. In terms of whether it's a viable business model, I couldn't tell you. Um, I think you know. I don't know that anybody would have thought that Uber would have been successful 10 years ago either. Um, but uh, I mean, I just got back from a trip to DC where I took multiple Uber rides um, and would gladly pay even more to take an Uber ride because it is so convenient to do it. Um, are we going to get to a point where we fly like we Uber? Eh, probably not. But at the same time, it's it's certainly an interesting idea. So I, I, I always like innovation, iterative thought. So I won't just dismiss it out of hand, but it certainly needs a little bit more uh, development and massaging. Like if you look, if you look at what our friend Rod is doing at Fly Auto, um, wow! Yeah. I mean, what a what a crazy awesome concept that is. Um, and that's it's different. It's not ride sharing, um, but it's it's really it's finding that happy medium between like an Uber model with a car and how do how do you, how does a person in today's market want to use a business jet and would more people use a business jet if it was easier and more logical and reasonable to do so um, and i think the answer to that is absolutely yes um, as our uh, economy strengthens and grows um, uh, leisure travel and particularly um, high-end leisure travel is something that happens so would i rather drive 12 hours in a car with my family or take a jet, I'd rather take a jet, especially if I could afford it. So I think there there's certainly a business case there. Um, I just don't know what that looks like in the short term, and certainly not for this particular company. Yeah, and that's in general, when you go to work for a company that's new, you take those risks. And uh, one, one more comment real quickly. Uh, sometimes we call this uh, a 134 and a half, you know, part 135, air taxi. Uh, there are a lot of those out there that that hold out themselves as air taxi, and they really aren't. So you need to look at their their certificate with the FAA and talk to people and, and ask, is what I'm doing the right thing? Uh, and even if you're a partner in an airplane and you start using it for commercial purposes, if you hold that aircraft out, uh, there's a fine line there. 
as to whether it's just incidental to your business or if you're holding out as a commercial operator. So you really have to ask those questions. So you don't, as the pilot, I'm concerned about you, the pilot, getting in trouble. So, so be careful there. Anyway, he <clears throat> excuse me, continues. This is really important, and this will be our last question. So uh, it says here a little bit about my experience. He continues on with something totally different. As a banner pilot, I just started towing banners recently and completed my training with them only one week ago. I talked to some airline captains I know from previous non-aviation jobs who are concerned about my safety. I think there are many people who feel banner towing is unsafe, so I wanted to comment. The company I'm with put through a training program that lasted almost two months. We learned ground operations on how to build, set up, break down banners correctly, along with getting soloed in a tailwheel and learning to pick the banner correctly. This took many hours of dual instruction. <coughs> Excuse me. At least where I work, the planes have modifications that make them very stable and honestly almost impossible to stall. We've tried. Basically, the nose goes straight over and you're flying again. Plus, since the wings are so big and some have vortex generators, we're talking stall speeds of 20 knots or something like that the pitot tube really isn't getting any air at that point so i can't tell you the exact speed that's pretty slow but to keep it short it depends on the training and the company if you do research and ask the company before you sign on about the training environment and what the process is you'll see right away if it'll be safe there are companies out there who give a few days of training and send you on your way i would not want to tow for them Hope this helps explain people's views. Have a great rest of the day, and thanks again. That was awesome. I think I hit the nail on the head when you said it depends on the training and the company, not only true in Bannertow, but in many different things. I was going to say there are airlines, I would say, that I wouldn't fly for. Right. <laughs> because, because I mean, their, their training is uh, notorious, uh, infamous. Um, amongst the industry. So I think that's, that's an anything. Um, but I just, I absolutely love this. First of all, um, I, I love the description of what the training program is like. Cause I think a lot of people would be, con- are probably wondering what does it take to become a banner tow pilot? What, what kind of training would you go through? And it makes me very happy to hear, um, you know, clearly that, uh, that this particular writer understands, um, you know, how to ask the right questions, and so, like he did, I would encourage you all to do the same thing. Um, when it comes to banner towing, I, I think that's one of those. Like I said this earlier about CFIs, didn't I? Uh, that it's like a stigma job. You know, it's like, well, I guess I'll I'll go tow banners if I have to. It's until I can get a real job or something like that. And and so we we go to work with that mentality, like, well, this is just something I'm doing just for right now. No, you're still flying an airplane, um, and you should probably take that pretty seriously um, because the people underneath you are taking it seriously that you know what you're doing um, and that you're taking it seriously while you're in there. So um, I, uh, I I I think that. That there are a lot of people who kind of poo-poo banner towing like a like a lesser a lesser form of flying, um, but uh, I actually went to college with a guy who um, on the summers would come down to Florida and tow banners and actually loved it so much. After we graduated, he ended up moving to Florida, uh, buying an airplane and starting his own banner towing business. And the last time I heard from him, he was still doing it and having an absolute blast. Um, and he only had to work seven months out of the year. Um, so that sounds, I wouldn't mind a job like that. Um, so I, 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 thank you for bringing that up. I think that's a really great insight from inside the industry and obviously from inside of a company that does value safety and training and doing it the right way. And you're going to hear those opinions from a lot of people. It all depends on their experiences and what they've seen as far as what's dangerous, what's not. I mean, people think flight instructing is dangerous. They think, well, you know, it, it, there is nothing out there without risk, especially when you're in aviation, you're flying uh, uh, something that's heavier than air up through the air. So there's a risk involved right there. And uh, But that's why we get into, into aviation, because we love to be up in the air. And uh, these are risks that we, we take. Now, with that, you're doing exactly what you should do. You're mitigating your risk by doing the research and going to a good, good school that's going to teach you and working for a good outfit. So kudos for you and anybody else that's looking into this. And, uh, and if you're interested in banner towing, we did have a, a company on before that did banner towing. It was awesome. Go back and listen to that episode. Really interesting stuff about uh, banner towing and training, etc. Well, Eric, gosh, we went a little bit long today. Uh, this has been awesome having you. It's because on. you made me laugh for so long. Yes, I know. My, my it's all your 
your fault, Carl. It's right. always your fault. The moral of the story is to use your checklist, even when you're getting ready <laughs> to go out to dinner. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh gosh. I'm, I'm never going to forget this, Carl. I, I mean, you made a mistake by telling me because I just anyway. Okay. Me, when this when this airs, I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of ribbing for this. Yes, uh, but they, that's almost <laughs> as bad as bucolic New Jersey. Yes, it that's is. That's almost <laughs> as bad. You know, I tell you, one of the things that people really enjoy is the fact we keep it uh, real here at, at Aviation Curse Podcast. <laughs> we, are we are who we are. We are. We are who we are. We're just we're just like everybody else. We put our pants on one leg at a time, or in my case. Yeah. Yeah. My pants and my shorts on. <laughs> One leg at a time. I don't think everybody puts their pants on quite like you, Carl. No, that's for sure. I would encourage you, Carl, to do that one thing today to help you remember to not put on two pairs of pants. Anyway. <laughs> now, go and inspire the people, Carl. Go and inspire them now. Well, gosh, Eric, I, thanks for that. I, I really appreciate that. One of the things that's been great about Eric being here is uh, he brings some some great humor to the podcast and also some has some amazing information and does a great job there at the school. Kudos to you for, for the program that you've been building at Polk State College. It's been awesome. Actually, being a part of that has been, been really cool, a lot of fun. So uh, congratulations on everything you've done there. Thanks, uh, man. But uh, anyway, guys, you know, I'm sorry I went a little long on this episode. We had a lot of stuff we had to get through. If you have questions, keep them coming. We're trying. We're coming out with an episode every week, and uh, we're going to continue to do that. We have many more interviews. Interviews coming up with flight uh, with uh, flight attendants who are becoming pilots. Also, people that want to become a flight attendant. That's a great job. And more mechanics, etc. So all different fields in aviation. I know it's been such. It's been crazy with all the just the strictly flying jobs in the podcast. But we have many other jobs within the aviation field it's just there's been such a big hiring spree going on for pilots but anyway if you're interested in aviation or anything else uh, one of the things i encourage everybody to do is something today to move forward in your career no matter what it is in your life in your career just take one step today to move forward in your career in your life it could be just picking up a podcast a book uh, going out and reading a magazine about your career, talking to friends and relatives about what you you want to do, but do it today. Take something, some small step right now and move forward in your career. We'll talk to you next episode. Safe long. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although host or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.